Let's turn to the first page of your songbooks, My Faith Has Found the Resting Place. Page one, My Faith Has Found the Resting Place. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ as we get started this morning. My faith has found a resting place, not in device nor creed. I trust the ever-living one, his wounds for me shall plead. I need no other argument, I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Enough for me that Jesus saves, this ends my fear and doubt. A sinful soul, I come to him, he'll never cast me out. I need no other argument, I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. My heart is leaning on the word, the written word of God. Salvation by my Savior's name, salvation through his blood. I need no other argument, I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. My great physician heals the sick, the lost he came to save. His precious blood he shed, for me his life he gave. I need no other argument, I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Amen. And now let's turn to page 418, 418, Faith is the Victory. Amen. 418. Beautiful song. Let's hear your voices this morning. We ought to rejoice and sing unto the Lord. Encamped along the hills of life, ye Christian soldiers rise and press the battle ere the night shall veil the glowing skies. Against the foe in veils below, let all our strength be hurled. Faith is the victory we know that overcomes the world. Now sing it out here. Faith is the victory. Faith is the victory. Oh, glorious victory that overcomes the world. Amen. His banner over us is love, our sword, the word of God. We tread the road, the saints above, with shouts of triumph trod. By faith they like the world, winds breath swept on o'er every field. The faith by which they conquered death is still our shining shield. Faith is the victory, faith is the victory. Oh, glorious victory that overcomes the world. Now, looking out in this audience, I see that probably half of us 
are still not using our vocal cords to their fullest potential. Now, when we get to that chorus, in fact, when we do the entire song, it's okay. We're in church. We can sing unto the Lord. It doesn't matter if you can sing on the right tune, right note. Just sing. God will accept it. Amen. Make a joyful noise, it says. So let's sing these next two verses nice and loud. Let a story hear that there is some joy and hope in Open Door Bible Baptist Church. We can glory in the Lord and just praise him, singing some wonderful, good old-fashioned hymns. Verse 3 and verse 4, we're going to sing them one after the other. Ready? You ready? Say amen. amen. All right. On every hand the foe, drawn up in dread array, the beast be left behind and onward to the fray. Salvation's helmet on each head with truth all girt about. The earth shall tremble neath our tread and echo with our shout. Faith is the victory. Faith is the victory. Oh, glorious victory that overcomes the world. To him that overcomes the foe, white raiment shall be given. Before the angels he shall know his name confessed in heaven. Then onward from the hills of light our hearts with love aflame. We'll vanquish all the hosts of night in Jesus' conquering name. Faith is the victory. Faith is the victory. Oh, glorious victory that overcomes the world. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we're thankful that faith is the victory. We're thankful that it is not what we can do, what we can imagine, who we can pretend or make ourselves. But Lord, that it is simple obedience to your word that overcomes the world. We ask that you would help us to understand these great truths and worship you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Franz. Man, now let's turn to page 309, 309, fill all my vision. Beautiful hymn, fill all my vision. 309, fill all my vision, Savior, I pray. Let me see only Jesus today. When through the valley thou leadest me. Give me thy glory and beauty to see. Fill all my vision, Savior divine, till with thy glory my spirit shall shine. Fill all my vision that all may see thy only image reflected in me. Fill all my vision every desire keep for thy glory my soul inspire with thy perfection thy holy love flooding my pathway with light from above fill all my vision savior divine 
Till with thy glory my spirit shall shine. Fill all my vision that home may see thy holy image reflected in me. Fill all my vision, let naught of sin shadow the brightness shining within. Let me see only thy blessed face, feasting my soul on thine infinite grace. Fill all my vision, Savior divine, till with thy glory my spirit shall shine. Fill all my vision, that home may see thy holy image reflected in me. Amen. And let's do one more song, 822, past the index, 822. Our great Savior. Amen. Ready to sing. I think we ought to have that same spirit, all right? Jesus, what a friend. Sinners, Jesus, love. My soul, friends may fail me, foes assail me. He, my Savior, makes me whole. Alleluia, what a Savior, hallelujah, what a friend. Saving, helping, keeping, loving, He is with me to the end. Jesus, what a strength in weakness, me hide myself in him, tempted, tried, and sometimes failing, he my strength, my victory wins, hallelujah, hallelujah, what a savior, time we'll have all the children 11 and under dismissed to the children's church and we will sing that fourth verse as the last Jesus what a guide and keeper while the tempest still is high storms about me night or takes 
the message and have Sharon come and share a special with us in song. Listen closely to the words. He's given Jesus Christ, his son. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to a holy God. Give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ, his son. And now let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us. And now let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us. saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation so rich and free. And I've got so to thank him for so much to praise him for you see he's been so good to me and when I think of all he's done and where he's brought 
because of what the Lord has done for us. And now let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us. Give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. Amen. And this is Thanksgiving week, one of the few of the holidays that we can truly and honestly celebrate as Bible-believing Christians. Amen. And, uh, of course, if you just wait till Thanksgiving Day to be thankful, something's wrong. Amen. Uh, we ought to do that uh, on a regular, regular basis. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 17. Monday night and Tuesday morning, we hosted a, a pastor's fellowship meeting here at our church, and uh, we spent most of the time in Brooklyn passing out tracts for Brother Lucas and the new work that he's trying to get started there in, uh, uh, I guess it's Brighton Beach, Ocean Parkway, right all there together, and uh, uh, pray for him if you would. Uh, today is their first regularly scheduled public service, I think is the way you would put it. And uh, so pray for Brother Lucas. And uh, he preached a sermon Tuesday morning that got me thinking, and uh, I'm going to spend the next three weeks trying to give you the sermon that he preached at the preacher's meeting, all right, divided it up into some parts. We're going to start in Luke chapter 17 and, and verse 5, and this is the plea of the disciples here, uh, something I think that we should share, something we should want in our hearts. Luke chapter 17, verse 5, And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. Now, if I were going to ask you today, how many of you would like to have more faith than you have right now. How many of you raise a hand and say, I need more faith? And uh, what I want us to do uh, this week is to look at the reasons why we ought to desire to have an increased faith. And Lord willing, next Sunday morning, we'll look at the actions that it takes to increase your faith. And then the 3rd of December... We will, by God's grace, look at the subject of what will happen when your faith gets increased or the results of having an increased faith. And what we need to understand was that, that let's just put this in context here. In verse 1 of chapter 17, then he, Jesus, then said he unto his disciples, it is impossible but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend 
one of these little ones. You get what Jesus is saying there? How many of you have ever been offended? Somebody upset you deeply, upset you, hurt you, injured you in some way. We've all been offended. Now, how many of you have offended other people? You notice how the hands go up easier the second time than they did the first? It's a lot easier for us to admit hurting others than it is for others hurting us. That's because we're sinners by nature, amen? And Jesus was explaining this to the disciples. He says, woe unto them by whom the offenses come. Now all of us are guilty. Because we've offended other people. Jesus said, it's better to have a millstone. Now how many of you know what a millstone is? Okay, in modern times, we do not use millstones like they did in those days. They, they had often a hand-powered uh, or animal-powered millstone. It would be two rocks that were either chipped and put together. Oh, probably maybe a small one would be about this big around. Each rock would weigh six or 800 pounds, uh, and they would have a means of lifting the top one so that you could sprinkle your grain in there and then that second one would lower down and grind the grain to flour to powder don't ever try making whole grain bread with whole grain it's not going to happen it'll just be a pile of lumps and it'll never cook and it'll never taste good and it'll, it'll, it'll be awful you've got to have flour it's got to be ground into powder so that you can shape it and make it what you, you want to be. Uh, millstones are heavy. A very small one, as we said, would weigh 600 pounds, only half of it. So imagine going swimming with one of those tied around your neck. It would just be a one-way trip to the bottom. Jesus said it's better for that to happen to you than to offend one of these little ones. That's pretty serious, isn't it? Now, that's the context in which the disciples, Jesus says, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Then the apostles said, Lord, increase our faith. You see, faith, has always been designed by God from creation to do something. Faith is not an inactive ingredient that we pour into our lives and it makes us better. That is a common misconception of faith. Faith is the engine which drives our life ought to be as a Christian. Faith is the motivation. Faith is the power that moves us. Faith is what changes us. Faith is what produces in us those things that God wants. And what I want us to do is I want us just to look at some reasons why we should desire to have an increased faith. One of them certainly ought to be the context of this passage 
that we ought not to offend others. If we have more faith, we will be more forgiving and we will be less easily offended. It's interesting, the more easily you are offendable, the more easily you get upset, the more difficult it will be for you to forgive others. And yet, the more, uh, shall we say, the easier it will become for you to offend others all at the same time. Now, if you want to hinder your ability to offend others, you get faith. Amen? If you want to increase your ability to forgive others, you get faith. Faith is what makes this thing happen. And I want us to... We're just going to spend, Lord willing, the next three weeks in the book of Luke, but I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. There's an interesting story here. A man was sick of the palsy. Now, when we think about palsy today, we normally think about a disease that we call cerebral palsy, where someone will walk around shaking and, and very difficult to... Uh, impaired motor skills. Uh, the old definition, the definition that was in effect when this Bible was translated was just simply any paralyzing disease. It was something that incapacitated you to walk, to move about freely. This man was so overcome by his disease that in order for the disciples to move him to Jesus... They literally had to carry his bed. He could not sit up. He could not maintain himself in any posture whatsoever. And so these men, wanting to bring him to Jesus, they carried his bed. Look at verse 18. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and lay him before him. And when they could not find by way what they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. Now, let's just stop there. I want you to picture this story. I mean, this is, this is incredible. These men wanted their friend to be brought to Jesus. And they came and they tried to get into the place where Jesus was and they couldn't get in because the house was completely packed and there were people outside and outside all the windows. And so they went around back. Now imagine this. This man cannot sit up. He is on a bed. They climb up on the roof and they begin peeling back the tiling, the waterproofing on the roof, and then they break up what is underneath there so that they produce a hole in the roof large enough to take this man and his bed and lower him through the ceiling. Now, could you imagine the noise and the mess that must have made while Jesus was teaching? All of a sudden, they hear this noise, clunk on the roof, clunk, chip, chip, break, break, crack, and... and uh, Pretty soon some dust starts falling through the ceiling and all of a sudden uh, this tool breaks through the ceiling and a huge hole is made and people are watching and 
Apparently, Jesus was, just went right on teaching. And all of a sudden, this man comes lowered out, down through the roof, held by ropes, with four men up on the roof, and they drop him right in front of Jesus. Now, I want you to notice Jesus' statement in verse 20. is where we're going to start this morning. Verse 20. And when he saw their what? Let's try that again. And when he saw their what? Faith. Faith made those men bring their friend in his bed to Jesus. Faith drove them to climb the roof. And imagine trying to lift uh, a full man's weight the entire way up on a roof, 10, 15 feet in the air if it were a single story, which it implies in this. And they break up the roof and they drop this man down through the roof. Now, let me tell you something. It is implied in the idea that faith was the motivating factor that when this whole thing was done, these four men that brought their friends had a big job to do in repairing the roof that they had broken up. Amen? You see, faith doesn't do something halfway. Faith does not make a mess for somebody else to clean up. Let me tell you, it was the lightest work I believe these men ever did because their friend walked home that day. It would have been a lot of fun repairing that roof, wouldn't it? That was one job that was worth it. Amen? They got, they received the things that they sought from the Lord Jesus Christ but Jesus does not look at the man and say, My, my, you are in really bad shape. I bet you came because you want to be healed. Is that what Jesus said? No, it says he saw their faith. And look what he says. He doesn't say, Man, be healed. Now, if you got one of those new Bibles, it might say that. I haven't read any of them. I don't plan to either. My Bible says, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. If there is something that we need faith, if there is any reason to desire an increase of faith in your life, is because faith is the only thing that will give you forgiveness of your sins. I don't know if I say this too often, forgive me, but my mind, every time I think about the forgiveness of sins, my mind goes to those people that, that are captive by their own guilt and in their own minds. They build a torture chamber and most of the time they have to be uh, literally imprisoned in a psychiatric ward for periods of time and given huge amounts of very powerful medication to numb their emotions and their experiences so that they can cope with life. And when the medication wears off, they have to be put back in the hospital and re-regulated so that they can function. It, I mean, one of the saddest places in the world to me is a psychiatric ward in a hospital. And I am by no means standing here in condemnation of those people. 
I am here to tell you that many of them are there because they are held captive by the guilt of their own sins. Oh, I can forgive everybody, but I can't forgive myself. I've had people tell me that over the years. I've had others say, well, I can never forgive that person for what they did to me. Faith is the answer, my friend. Faith is where we find the forgiveness of sins. It is faith that brings salvation. I am saved from my sins. The first thing that Jesus said to these men, the Bible gives us Luke as he is writing this passage. He said Jesus saw their faith. How did he see it? Well, there was a hole in the ceiling at least five and a half foot long and two and a half foot wide. Now, how many of you would have enough gall to go bust a hole in somebody's ceiling that big just to get somebody to see Jesus? Now, don't go and do that. You might end up in jail in New York City. Praise God, you don't need to do that today. Amen? But if somehow we could get that amount of desire in our hearts... I'll tell you what, you wouldn't have any worry about whether you're saved or not. Faith produces the forgiveness of sins. There are people who spend their entire lives worrying about things that have happened in the past. Sins either they committed or someone committed against them. Maybe you're not as serious as those people that are held captive and have to be put on medication and checked into the hospital. Praise God. But there are other people who are just as paralyzed and never, ever really serve God. They'll never, ever really do anything. There are people that attend church all their life and never get saved because... Faith is lacking. It tells us here, and when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins be forgiven thee. Now, we don't have time to go the whole way through this passage. I'll just go through it very quickly, and you can read the rest of it. But the scribes and the Pharisees that were in that meeting listening to Jesus immediately took offense and said, Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus immediately said, So that you can know that I have the power to forgive sins. Rise up, take thy bed with, and walk. And the man stood up for the first time in who knows how many years. Hey guys, let go of the rope. I got it from here. Picks up his bed. He didn't have any problem getting out of the house. Everybody... Backed up because this man who was so sick that he couldn't walk now walked out. Now, let me tell you something. When you go to see Benny Hinn, that's not going to happen. Sorry. If we have any Benny Hinn fans here today, that's not going to happen. Never has, never will. If you're going to go see Frederick K. Price or some of these other guys, it doesn't happen that way. I, I talked to a person who had visited one of those uh, rallies and 
they had a whole row of wheelchairs in the back, and if anybody walked in with the least little bit of shake or wobble in their walk, they said, would you like a wheelchair? We can take you right down to the front. And then at the end of the service, the preacher says, all you in wheelchairs, stand up. And everybody stands up and everybody claps because they got healed. Really happens. That's chicanery, my friend. Jesus doesn't need that stuff. He did it for real. But he said, the reason I am doing this is because of faith. There's a reason why we need God to increase our faith. Number one, there are a lot of people that are unsaved. Amen? And if you're going to get saved, you've got to have God increase your faith to the point to where you can stop believing in church and in all of these foolish things that go on out there. I mean, stop and ask yourself the question, if Benny Hinn really had the power to heal people, why doesn't he go into the hospitals and empty them? He puts up a big tent, takes up a big offering, and only the people, and if you... Read it in his books. If you don't have enough faith, if you don't get healed, it's your problem, your lack of faith, not his. That's incredibly convenient, is it not? I got an excuse for everything. First, you got to come to me. First, you got to put a lot of offering. Second, put a a lot of money in the offering plate. And third, if you don't get what you want, it's because you had the problem, not me. I'm glad Jesus doesn't operate that way. When you come to Jesus, he does it all. But see, faith is what brings you to Jesus, amen? It's not complicated. The best example I can give of fake faith versus real faith. Those of you that have been here a while, you know what a magneto is, right? Because we've explained it. How many of you have ever seen one of those old pool lawnmowers where you pull the cord... You ever wonder where the spark comes from that makes the engine work? Because there's no battery. It's because on the side of that engine is a little thing called a magneto, and as long as it spins, it produces enough spark to make the spark plug fire and the engine runs. And there's a lot of people that treat faith just like they do the old pool lawnmowers. And if you've ever tried to start one of those things, I mean, you're boom, 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 boom. And you sit there all day because you put the choke on. And, and then you fouled out the plug. And then you got to clean it off. And then you got to start all over again. That's not faith. The spark doesn't come from you. It comes from God. It is external, not internal. Don't look inside. It will frighten you to death. Amen? You say, what do you mean? Well, inside is a heart that is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, who can know it? Don't look, amen? Just take it to Jesus and let him fix it. That's faith. That's what happened to this man here in Luke chapter 5. Let's go to Luke chapter 7. Way down at the end of the chapter. And we're not going to read the whole story this morning, but we want to read part of it. Luke chapter 8, 
In verse 36, it says, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner. Now this classification of a sinner, just before we go on so you know, is a classification of a people group in those days. You'll see it used in the Bible. This was a Jewish community. Everybody in this community was religious except for the publicans and the sinners. The publicans collected the taxes for Rome and the sinners... Do we need to delineate on sinners in New York City? I think we know what sinners are, don't we? They were the people whose life was characterized by a total distaste, disdain for anything that had to do with righteousness. These were wicked people who had a testimony for being wicked and licentious and involved in everything that God was against. And it says here, and what... And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, everybody knew who she was and what she was about. When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. Now, you look at this again. Let's just skip down and get the cut to the chase, as they say. Look at verse 50. And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath what? Saved thee. Go in peace. Look at verse 48. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Her faith brought her to Jesus. Jesus forgave her sins, which, by the way, were many. One of the things about forgiveness of sins is they are gone. Amen? Do not waste your life in the graveyard of buried sins. If they're forgiven, you don't have to worry about them. Amen? A lot of times we spend time trying to figure out how we can undo things that we've done in the past. That's not what faith is about. Faith is always forward-looking. The center of faith is always the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. No church no religious ritual, no organization, nothing that is or has been by mankind. The center of faith is always the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are no substitutes. There are no halfways. There are no stand-in-betweens between Jesus and faith. If you have faith, it's going to bring you face-to-face -face with the Lord Jesus Christ, and it will result in the forgiveness of sins. It will result in salvation. Amen? We need faith. I've often told people that have come to me and said, Pastor, I'm just not ready yet. See, the Bible says you're saved by grace through faith. Grace you have. Faith you need. Put yourself under 
the preaching of God's Word, and it will bring you to the point of decision. Amen? Look at chapter 8, verse 25 of the book of Luke. Jesus asked the disciples a question here. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? Now, let's put that question in context, may we? And we come down here to verse 20. And now it came to pass on a... 22, I'm sorry. Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples and he said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake. And they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. That's not a game, by the way, on television. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? I want to challenge you. The second reason we need God to increase your faith is because faith is necessary for you to follow Jesus Christ. Your life cannot be ordered by the Lord Jesus Christ without faith. You cannot go where He wants you to go. You cannot do the things He wants you to do without faith. One of the great mistakes many new Christians make is they get saved by faith. They come to Jesus, they forget about everything else, and they get saved, and then they try to live the Christian life the same way they were trying to live life before they got saved. And they wonder why they're so miserable, and they wonder why it's a failure, and they wonder why nothing works. It's because if you're going to live the Christian life, you must live the Christian life by faith. Jesus got into the boat. This is how simple faith is. Jesus got into the boat. He said, we're going to the other side. He went to sleep. You know why? Because he knew they were going to the other side. A storm came up. How many of you have ever been in a little boat on a shallow lake in a storm? It is not fun, let me tell you. Closest I've ever came, and that was too close for me, was in Florida. We were about 25 miles off the coast in a 1,000 foot of water in a little 19 foot boat. And you could see the lightning hitting the water just a few miles down. And those waves were starting to pick up. And I was starting to get scared. I'll tell you what, I don't like the idea of a storm in a boat. But Jesus said, let's go the other side. And when Jesus said, let's go to the other side, where do you think we're going? The other side. That's how simple faith is. Amen. Forget the storm in between because Jesus said, we're going to the other side. And when the disciples wake him up and say, we're drowning, Lord. He just gets up and says, peace be still, and everything is peaceful and still. 
Now, they're doing exactly what you and I would have been doing. They're about ready to jump out of that boat into the water. After all, they're not sure whether they're more afraid of the guy in the boat or what was happening outside the boat. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they were terrified. What kind of man is this? But his question to them is, where is your faith? You've already met me. I said we're going to the other side. So what is your problem? We often use this to illustrate the storms of life. How many of you have ever been through a storm in your life? Let me promise you something. Jesus said we're going the other side. Can you trust him with the storm? Jesus does not believe in amusement park rides. You know why we like amusement park rides? Because they're supposed to be perfectly safe and yet still scare us out of our skin. Right? Now, come on. Am I the only one that ever got on an amusement park ride? Come on. Isn't that why you get on them? You say, that's why I don't get on them, preacher. Listen. We do those things because we like to enjoy the fear and still know we're safe. That's what virtual reality is all about. That's why you have these people that put on their little gaming helmets and and they're Joe Commando and they're going to blow up the whole world on their computer screen. Listen, we need to get past that stuff. Faith is for real. Don't live in a world of make-believe. Live in a world of faith. And if you're having a problem following the Lord Jesus Christ, let me tell you something. You need God to increase your faith. If you can't trust Him with the decisions of life, if you cannot let Him get you to the other side, do you think you're going to get to the other side by yourself? If I can borrow a few words of Jesus, I trow not. It's not going to happen, my friend. Now, let's, let's look at chapter 8, the same chapter we're in. Let's skip down to verse 48. The story is they came back across the lake. Jairus, the head of the synagogue, comes to Jesus and said, My daughter's dying. And Jesus says, I'll go with you. And the great crowd presses. And as the great crowd is pressing around Jesus, a woman that has an issue of blood sneaks up in the crowd and just touches the hem of his garment. And it says in Jesus, verse 45, who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee. And sayest thou who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and now and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. Now, if I were to ask you, please don't raise your hands this morning, but if I were to ask you, how many would say here this morning, Pastor, I know I'm saved, but there's something missing in my life. Don't raise your hand. Just think about it in your heart. I've met Jesus, 
He's forgiven me for all my sins. But there's something missing. There's some things that still need to happen in my life for me to follow Jesus the way I should. What did he tell this lady? Thy faith hath made thee whole, complete. Filled in that which was lacking. Amen. Her faith did it. Her faith made her well. What did her faith do? It made her go to Jesus. It's that simple. What do you mean, go to Jesus? We need to allow Jesus to make our decisions for us. Sometimes those decisions are very difficult to make. But if we will allow the Lord to make those decisions, He will make us whole. Amen? He will build us. He will give us what we need to follow Him. Now I want you to look with me one more passage. Luke chapter 18. And we'll try to be done soon. Luke chapter 18. Jesus is giving a story here. And as He gives us this parable. He gives us the reason for the parable right at the beginning. It says, And he spake a parable unto them, verse 1 of Luke 18, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And then I want you to skip down with me to verse 8. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find what? Faith on the earth. The beginning of this story, he says, Listen, I am telling you this story because men ought always to pray and not to faint, not to fall out, not to quit, not to get only halfway there. At the end of this story, he says, But when the Son of Man cometh, is he even going to find faith on the earth? And tells us this idea of praying and not fainting is connected with faith. Amen. And I just want to give you the third reason in our study this morning. And by these, by the way, these three reasons that we're talking about here are not the only reasons why you should want your faith to increase. But they, they kind of cover the scope of our relationship with Christ. Number one, faith bringeth salvation. Number two... Faith is necessary to follow Jesus Christ. And number three, faith is either growing or it's diminishing. Faith is not a solid quantity. You put it in a box and you take it home and you put it on the shelf and there will always be that amount of faith right there on the shelf of your life. <coughs> faith is either going to be diminishing in your life or it's going to be growing in your life. And if you want anything other than an increasing or growing faith, there's something wrong with your understanding of faith. Because it is that faith that will drive me to pray and keep me from fainting. It is that understanding. The story here is the story of the unjust judge. 
It says a woman had a problem, a widow, and she went to the judge and she said, Judge, you got to solve my problem. He said, listen, I don't care about you. I don't care about God. I don't care about anybody. Go away. Next morning, Judge, it's me again, the widow woman. I got a problem and you're going to have to solve it. Did you hear me yesterday? I don't care about you. I don't care about God. I don't care about anybody. Go away. Next morning. Judge, it's me again. Well, this repeated itself many times, and the judge finally said, I don't care about anybody, but I'm getting tired of this woman. I'm going to go solve her problem so she'll stop bothering me. Now, we can relate to that story. Happens all the time, doesn't it? God says... If the unjust judge will behave that way, if we as human beings understand human nature, what do you think God's going to do when his own children come to him and pray? Do you think he's going to say, I don't care about you? No, you see, God never operates on your timetable. He operates on his And sometimes God wants us to keep praying about something so we'll learn how to pray. Amen? He wants us to keep praying about something so we'll learn to trust in Him and not go out and try to figure it out ourselves. May I suggest to you that a lot of what has to do with an increasing faith is to forget about what's going on in the world and realize that God is still in control. Amen? Yet he asked the question, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth? I tell you, we live in a day of diminishing and diminished faith. We live in a day when people want to be as much in the world and as close to the things of the world and seek all of the things that the world has to offer much more then they want to seek those things that God has. That's not faith. Faith brings you to Jesus Christ. Do we have anybody in here? Don't raise your hand. Do we have anybody in here that camped out for four days so they could get that new uh, Sony PlayStation 3 or whatever? I dare say we probably don't because if you spent four days sitting out in the street trying to get one, you'd probably be home playing with it instead of in church worshiping God. Amen? Preacher, why do you got to get personal? Because that's where we live. Amen? You see, if I'm going to follow God, if my faith is going to be increased, I've got to understand that it's more important to be under the preaching of this Word than it is to do anything else. It's more important to be reading this book. It's more important to find out what Jesus said about something than it is to know what the the president says about something. Amen? Than to know what the Democrats say about something. Than to know what President Pelosi says about something. Oh, I'm sorry. She's only Speaker of the House right now. Um, I'll tell you what. I get so tired of all this stuff out there. Everybody thinks they know everything. But only Jesus does. 
faith is going to take me away from them and bring me to Jesus. Amen. One more verse and we're done. Luke chapter 22. Faith is either growing or diminishing. Faith is the key that will keep us from failing, from fainting, from falling out of the way. Look at verse 32. Peter is the focus of this verse. He's just told the Lord that he's willing to die for him. He will tell the Lord in just a moment. But Jesus says this to Peter. He said, I have prayed for thee that what? Thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now this verse is a troubling verse to many. They say, what does it mean to be converted? I thought Peter was already saved. And the simplest answer I can give you is the Holy Spirit had not yet been given to the permanent indwelling of all believers. That would happen on the day of Pentecost. When Jesus had resurrected from the dead, what did it say he did? He breathed on his disciples and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a lot of people that tried to make a lot more of that than God ever did. Don't look for outward phenomena. That's not faith. Faith is obedience to the Word. When you obey the words of this book called the Bible, that's faith. When you keep obeying those words even in the middle of the storm, guess what? That's faith. When you obey those words to the day of your death, guess what you just didn't do? You didn't faint. You kept serving God. Faith is either growing or diminishing. Jesus told Peter, he said, I'm praying for you that your faith doesn't fail. By the way, where do we get faith? From this book called the Bible. Has this book ever failed? No, it has not. Amen. There's never been a problem with this Bible. Has anyone ever hurt and done wrong obeying the words of this book to others? I'm sorry. No. You say, but what about all those crazy Bible thumpers? Well, the problem is if they're crazy and if they're thumping their Bible, probably they haven't spent a lot of time reading it. Amen. You want sanity? Get into the words. Amen. You can't get too much of this book because it will only draw you to Jesus Christ. Somebody said, well, you might be so, so become so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. My favorite little answer to that is, I'd rather be so heavenly minded I'm no earthly good than to be so earthly minded that I'm no heavenly good because I'm going to be in heaven a whole lot longer than I'm going to be here on earth. Amen. And by the way, the best thing this earth needs is some heavenly minded people. Some people that aren't concerned about themselves but are about the Lord Jesus Christ. Some people that aren't worried about the circumstances of life. They're just worried about pleasing the Lord Jesus Christ. Some people that are willing to follow Jesus even though the storm is blowing all about them and things don't look really good right now. I'll just keep following Jesus. Amen. 
some people who won't faint when the going gets tough. Some people who will just keep serving. You said, how do I know when I'm stopped? Well, I'll just tell you, sometimes you just need to bow your head just a little bit and stop looking at all this and look at that next footstep. And one of these days, you're going to see some feet meet yours. And you're going to bump your head into Jesus' knees at his throne, and then you'll finally figure out it's time to take a rest. Amen? Because you'll be in heaven. You say, but I don't want to work so hard all my life. Well, I'll tell you what, faith always produces something. And I'd rather serve Jesus with my life than serve me. Ask some of us what it is to serve yourself. They'll tell you how far it goes. How many of you have tried to get something before you were saved, or even after you are saved, and find out that it's nothing but dust and ashes? But when you finally grab a hold of something for Jesus, it's real forever. Amen? That's, what, that's why we need our faith to be increased. And the invitation today is just simply this. How many of us here this morning would be willing to pray and be willing to serious, seriously begin to ask God to increase our faith? I don't want to be where I am right now, three weeks from now. I want God to increase my faith. If you're here today and you're not saved, would you put your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ and nothing else and let him do all the saving? If not, would you be willing to pray and ask God to increase your faith so that you could find salvation? If you're in the midst of the storm, hey, it takes faith to follow. Jesus said we're going the other side. We're going to get there. Ask him to increase your faith. Maybe you're just weary and you feel like you're ready to faint. Faith is the answer. You just keep going. Jesus is still praying for us. We have one thing that Peter did not have in Luke chapter 22. That's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Peter never doubted Jesus after that, did he? You see, faith conquers failure. You don't need to slap yourself and feel good about it. You don't need to help yourself. You need to let Jesus do it. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. And Lord, I, I pray that there would not be one of us here that would not be willing to ask you to increase our faith over the next several weeks. Lord, we ask that you would do your work. We pray for the unsaved. That, Lord, you would increase their faith to the point of salvation. We pray for those that need more faith to follow you. 
We pray for those that need more faith to keep following You. And Lord, we pray that one day we may rejoice together on heaven's shore with an increase of faith that will bring glory to Your name throughout the ages without end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Brother Franz, if you'd come and lead us in the hymn of invitation, 559, it just simply asks the question, 560, I'm sorry, is thy heart right with God? And as Brother Franz leads us, if you need to come and pray, now is the time to do so. thine affections been nailed to the cross is thy heart right with God dost thou count all things for Jesus but loss is thy heart right with God is thy heart right with God washed in the crimson flood Cleansed and made holy, humble and lowly, right in the sight of God. We'll just have the piano continue to play. And if you need to come, now is the time. There are many that have come this morning to pray. Let's not wait on the Lord. If you need to be saved, would you come and just trust Jesus as your Savior? Lord, increase our faith. God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. In just a few moments after the service, um, members, if we could uh, just meet together right up here in this front corner. Uh, we have a, just a couple of items of uh, business that uh, we need to uh, discuss if we could. And uh, so if just give it five minutes, shake some hands, and then come right up here. We'll try not to be long this morning. Um, just a couple of things that uh, we need to deal with as a church. And um, 
someone uh, said, why do you do things this way? Well, we believe the responsibility of making decisions does not rest with me, does not rest with some little committee that's appointed to, to make decisions for everybody, but the church ought to make its own decisions. And so uh, we just need to get that taken care of. I promise I, I won't take any more of your time than absolutely necessary. Um, please mark down on your calendars, uh, December uh, 9th is our, our Christmas banquet and sing with Brother Clayton. All the churches are going to be here. Uh, how many of you remember the great time we had at the 4th of July? Uh, that, that was a, a great, uh, a special time, and, and uh, we're going to try to do something very similar to that. We're going to have a dinner. We'll, uh, the man that provided the meat for the last dinner, I'm talking to him uh, while we've not really sat down yet, so I don't know all the details, but as soon as we do, we'll let you know on that and should know that's going to be Saturday afternoon. Uh, about 6 o'clock, we'll have you out in plenty of time to be ready for church uh, the next day. And then the 16th is the children's program, and also for those who are members of our church, Lord's Supper is uh, December 3rd. That's two weeks at, at 5.15. Uh, we believe that's an event that is special and sacred to the church and reserved for the members uh, of the church alone, and so we'll be doing that then. Uh, normally... Uh, what we do on Thanksgiving week and with all of the renovations and everything, uh, I didn't get a chance to talk to anybody, uh, but we'll move the Thursday service to Tuesday, have a Tuesday midweek service, and then you'll have the holiday off to spend with family. And is that going to be uh, acceptable to everybody? Okay, good. And so we'll deal with that. If we could have our ushers come at this time, we'll receive this morning's offering. Precious Heavenly Father, we come before you to praise you and uh, thank you for the beautiful day and uh, giving us a good life, a healthy body, and um, uh, bless uh, the souls that accepted you as your pers as a personal Savior and uh, our visitors as of now. Uh, thank you for using your servants and giving your uh, 
your holy word to us, imparting your holy word to us, that you give us uh, our guide and light every day. And um, we ask you to bless this uh, um, tithes and offering to, uh, for the furtherance of your work. And um, may you please bless us as we uh, leave this uh, church this afternoon and um, come back again this you know, evening in your precious name and uh, we thanks everything amen amen all right let's stand together and Franz come and lead us don't forget just a few minutes after the service we need to meet right over here 705 if you need the words take the name of Jesus with you child of sorrow and of woe it will joy and comfort give you take it then where'er you go precious name oh how sweet hope of earth and joy of heaven precious name oh how sweet hope of earth and joy of heaven Thank you for being with us. <laughs> 